0: Good morning. morning. Just as Pastor Kurt have already stated, we will be closing out Malachi this morning. Um, just want to begin with just a few reminders of what we have covered so far. Um, in this section of the book of Malachi, um, we will continue exploring this last and final chapter, um, the final words from the prophet, he will be speaking to the Israelites with a mind to usher in the coming of our sweet Lord and Savior, our Redeemer. This book is, is formatted, as you already know, in a, dis, um, a disputation style. Uh, In other words, uh, God would uh, confront the people um, through his prophet, and while confronting the people, the people would respond with a dispute. And so uh, you saw that uh, God have extended his love to the people, and they disputed that. God have uh, talked to them about honoring him and fearing him, and they disputed that. He also talked to them through the prophet Malachi about faithfulness. Uh, you remember we talked about how even the priests had begun to sin and to bring any kind of uh, offerings to God. And they, they, they would give God the least of what they had. And God would confront them and they disputed with him about that. And the list goes on, God being unjust, uh, them not repenting, uh, speaking against God, all of these kinds of things. And today we're going to hear Malachi close out uh, the book. And in closing this book, Malachi warns the non-believing Israelites of the awaiting judgment and the believer's benefits. And so just keep in mind that um, Malachi is speaking to uh, two groups of people. You have the unbelieving Jews and you have the believing Jews, those who are looking forward to the Messiah and those who are, who are not. And so um, here we, uh, in Malachi, Israel must remember and take heed to the law of God. However, failure is not an option for them. If they fail, they will come beneath the curse of God. One day, God's judgment will come. So what the book is going to close with is that the day of the Lord will come. The day of the Lord will come. So if you believe that it's coming, if you believe that the Lord will come, what would you do? How would you live? In other words, if the Lord God truly is coming, does that change anything for you? Do you continue living your life, going about your life in the same way? Or is there a certain urgency we ought to have in knowing that the Lord our God is coming? What does the day of judgment mean to you? Today, I hope that you are either encouraged or inspired. To have a burden for the loss. In light of the coming judgment of God, think about ways how you might share the gospel with others in light of the coming judgment of God. That's going to require a certain kind of love that's depending upon, that's dependent upon God. That's dependent upon prayer. But in our text today, we're going to see some differences between the unbelieving and the believing. So let us bow in a word of prayer before we open to Malachi chapter 4 is where we're going to begin. Let us pray. Oh Lord and our God, we come before you. Come before your word. And we ask for your help. We ask that you would guide and direct us, direct our thoughts, that we might focus on you, help us to engage the word. Pray that you would give clarity and understanding. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to circumstances and trials and We pray for the unbelieving one, that you would draw them today. May the day be the day of salvation. Lord God, we pray that the message would be clear. We pray that when we leave here, we would be a changed people. We pray that all would be a redeemed people. Lord God, have your way with us remove distractions, help us to focus only on you. Lord, help me to be a only a mouthpiece and not a distractions. May your word go forth powerfully, Lord. And Lord, may you get all of the glory. We ask these prayers in no other but the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to begin, I uh, said chapter four, but I want to, Bump up just a few verses in Malachi 3, beginning at verse 16, if you would. And then we'll read through uh, verse 4. Malachi three sixteen. hear now the word of the living God. The green grass fades, the flower falls, but the word of our God shall stand forever all scripture is given by the inspiration of God it's profitable for doctrine for reproof for instruction in righteousness the man of God may be complete thoroughly equipped for every good work Malachi 316 then those who feared the Lord Spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them, and a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his son. Who serves him. Then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from a stall. And you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statues and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with the decree of utter destruction. This is the word of God to help us follow along with the text I've chosen the title what ha- what happens when you die or another title that could be used is why do people go to heaven and hell I have a simple outline uh, to follow if you're following along. And in verse 1, we're considering the non-believers awaiting judgment. The non-believers awaiting judgment. And in verse 2 through 6, we will consider the believers' blessed benefits. And lastly, at the end of verse 6, we'll consider a final <coughs> Warning. A non-believers, the non-believers awaiting judgment. Verse 1, Malachi, in a very descriptive way, speaks to his listeners about the coming day of the Lord. For the purpose of being clear, the prophet confronted the Israelites about the coming judgment of God. Specifically, he's explaining what happens to those who die without revering the name of God. Those who do not practice honoring God or adoring him or loving him or praising him. He's dividing the people up into two groups. As we've said, the non-believers and the believers the Lord is a righteous judge, and the world will be judged by him at the appointed time. There will be a day of judgment. Every sin will be identified, every sin will be condemned, and every sin will be vindicated. In Malachi 3 2, the prophet declared. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and, a, and like fuller's soap. Have you ever wondered what the day of judgment would be like? Have you ever had a conversation with someone concerning the subject of The judgment of God of heaven or hell. My guess is that likely the conversation ended fast. No one wants to hear about the end times of God judging people. We're going to have quick conversations about those kinds of subjects. And even Christians. We'll feel like we, we don't need to talk about hell. Can't we just talk about the gospel, what God has done, the good news? But the reality is, is that if we don't discuss the reality of hell, the gospel is not good news. We must give the reality of the disease. We must give the end goal so that people may understand What's really going on? We must not be having people to just string along in life as if they can just figure it out and things will be okay. We must shout the warning because this is serious. People will end up in hell. And so the warning is being presented here in the book of Malachi. Some of you may feel um, that mentioning hell kind of breaks up, you know, the gospel and sharing the gospel. But really, hell is a good starting point. Because if we start there, then we're able to help people to appreciate and to know what they really need. And so, though people don't like hearing about judgment. You know, people are quick to say, well, you know we ain't supposed to judge. The reality is, if we don't judge, how can we make right choices and right decisions? We live by making judgments. Why? Because we're living under the sovereignty God's Word. We've come under and we're able to measure life based on what God has said. We're able to know what's good and what's bad, whether we should run the light or stay there. Some of y'all ran lighter. (laughs) But the reality is we make judgments all the time. And here Uh, they're going to be a day where they're going to be a divine judgment. And so, in uh, Malachi, um, some of you may be sitting in the pews squirming about this topic, but it's really necessary. It's necessary that we talk about these kinds of things because they will help us to communicate the gospel in full. On the other hand, we want to present the law and where it leads. If we're going to live under the law, the scripture requires that we live by all the law. And if we fail at one, we're disqualified for the kingdom of God. And so it's necessary that we help people see themselves in God's mirror of the law so the gospel might be precious and beautiful so that we may understand what's really going on with us. But we must recognize that when we discuss the great and awesome day of the Lord, we must Help people to understand that the end game is punishment. When the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, he will punish the wicked in verse 1. The day of the Lord is a time in history when God will punish sinners once and for all for their sin. The day is described with much imagery. The prophet uses figurative language in describing the coming day of the Lord. In verse 1, he states, his coming judgment will be like a burning oven. This is consistent with the scriptures. Fire is real. The coming judgment will be like a burning oven. Other places we see this Uh, In scripture is Psalm 21 verses 9 and 10. Um, This is in reference to the enemies of God. David is saying to the Lord, "You you will make them as a blazing oven when you appear. The Lord will swallow them up in his wrath and fire will consume them you will destroy their descendants from the earth and their offspring from among the children of men. Also in Isaiah 66, 15, there it says, For behold, the Lord will come in fire and his chariots like a whirlwind to render his anger in fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. These images we see in the text concerning fire points to this idea of judgment. John the Baptist referenced this kind of imagery as well. For instance, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3, he says, verse 11, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the born. But the chaff will burn with unquenchable fire. That idea of chaff and wheat, again, points to this idea of two different kinds of people. The unbelieving one and the believing one. The save and the unsaved. The believer and the unbeliever. When you leave here today, you will be one of them. The scriptures make it clear that there's no middle ground. In, out, for him or against him. The scriptures are clear. So I want you to be thinking along these lines as you hear from God's word what he has to say about this matter. And I want to encourage you, listen for the words of hope. There are warnings. There's also hope. In verse 1, Malachi uses Burning fire imagery to show that the Lord will bring ultimate destruction upon those who disbelieve. Every person who has sinned against God or participated in any form of wickedness will be utterly destroyed. Malachi addressed the people who were being arrogant and committing all kinds of wickedness against God. And because of their blatant disobedience by constantly breaking God's commands, the prophet pronounced that the Lord will do the following. We see it in the text. He will turn the arrogant and all evil doers into stubble. This idea of fire, God judging the people. He will set ablaze every wicked deed and evil act. And the Lord Almighty will consume every form of evil by removing wickedness completely. God would have nothing to do with sin and unrepented sinners. Repentance is necessary for restoration. For not in a right relationship with God we can be made right. We can be restored by the means that God has provided. In other words, we, we can't determine how we want to come before God and be saved. God has provided the means so that we might be restored in a right way and the only option that we have is through the one and only Son. It is through the Son that we are set free. It is through the Son that we can come boldly to the throne of grace. What I'm trying to say is that Only God can save us. Only God can redeem us. Only God can rescue us. And so therefore we must look to him. Therefore we must look to Christ. Anyone who does not have a personal relationship with Christ or if you do not know him as your Lord and your Savior, there is only one destiny for you. And, that is, and that's hell. We can't assume that being out with God, there's still an other option for us to somehow make it into the kingdom of God. God says, no. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. There's no way to the Father except through me. And so the way to the Father is through the Son. These believers in the time of Malachi, they were looking forward to the Messiah by faith. They were exercising faith because one day they knew the Messiah would come and he would pay pay for their sins once and for all. Listen and listen good. Hell is real. Hell is real. It's not a fairy tale found in some story book. It's real. It's a place where non-believers will spend eternity separated from God. The time is now. Receive him as your savior. If you are not that person that are in right relationship with God. You can change your destination by believing in Jesus Christ. If you don't know him today, there is hope. Believe in him now. But here's the misconception. People die daily. And guess what? It's not always sickness. It's, 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 it's all kinds of reasons why people are dying. You, you, you might have something you don't even know about in going on in your body and you might die today. I'm, I'm just trying to, like Jesus did, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We we don't know what tomorrow will bring. We have the free gospel now. And so, in other words, we must take a hold of the rescuer and be saved. No one here needs to go to hell. There's an alternative. Receive the Lord Jesus Christ today as your savior and you too will be saved from the wrath of God. You know, as we are listening to the scripture as it talks about judgment, we're not to be offended, but we ought to be thankful. We, We ought to be grateful for what God has saved us from. We ought to be praising God as we hear the scriptures talk about the coming judgment of God. And yet God have plucked us out of the fire and have kept us for himself to be his own people. That leads us to verses two through six. We're considering the blessed, the believers blessed benefits When the son of righteousness comes, he will fully reward those who revere his name. We see that in verses two through three, two and three. Those who revere the name of God will have a different response when the Lord comes on on that day. While some will indeed face the coming wrath of God, this is not so for all. In contrast to the day of the Lord, as a day of calamity for others, that same day will bring about exuberant joy, confidence, hope, satisfaction. Why? It's right there in the text the Son of Righteousness. It's because of the son of righteousness. The scripture says he will bring healing to his people. It's it's an amazing thing how God loves his people. In verse 2, the writer says to those who trust God and believe in his name, he says, but for you... Who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in his wing. You shall go out leaping like calves from the storm. You see that, that imagery there is again, when when you think about this idea of a calf, imagine a calf in this dingy, stale Room, this dingy, stale place. And then he's, uh, the calf is being led out to the pasture. Plenty of grazing to do. This is the picture that Malachi is trying to paint for the listeners. He he says, But the son of righteousness will come with, with healing in his wings. In other words, God shall bring prized possession to those who are his. And so it's interesting that Malachi uses this term son of righteousness. Because what, what, what does it mean? What does it mean? I'm glad you asked. It's, it's interesting that he says, says this, to, to put it this way, to put it in, in perspective, let's just take a look around the room. Just, just look all over the room. Look behind you. Look everywhere. Okay. Now, now look up. Look up. You, you, you see the, the radiance just coming through? You see the light shining through? That, that's the picture when we want to think about the sun of righteousness, What do we mean? Now think about how dark it would be without the sun. Think about how dark it would be without the sun. Do you know that without the sun, we could not exist? No planet, including our own, could exist without the sun. Much is dependent upon the sun, The sun gives light to the moon. The sun is a valuable source for our existence. Without the sun, we have no power. Without the sun, we'll have no heat. There'll be no warmth. Without the sun, we'll have no light. And if there's no light, then there's no existence. The sun is a valuable source for our existence. Now that we see the value in having the sun as the source for our natural existence, we also need the divine sun. For without the sun, without him, no one can exist apart from him. We need sustenance. We need life. We need salvation. We need the sun of righteousness to sustain us. God is the source of all life. And so when you are traveling along this week and you happen to look at the sun, it ought to be a reference point for you. But the son of righteousness is caring for you, sustaining you, keeping you, providing for you. And prayers ought to go up. Praise ought to go up. Thank you, Lord, the son of righteousness. Just like the rays are extended here and is able to provide light, the son of righteousness is caring for his prized possession, his people. He loves you, his people, the son of righteousness. This is a beautiful picture. So, so many, so much imagery here. You think about the stalls and how excited the calves are going into the field and the pasture, being able to eat, and what it represents is being satisfied. We ought to be satisfied with God because with him, we have everything that we need. We ought to be comfortable with knowing who we are in Christ. We ought not to find ourselves trying to perform so that the world would accept us. We are already accepted in the son. He's all that we need. We're not to perform, even for the ones that are in our families who are close to, the, to us, all glory to God. We are to do all things for his glory. And so, Jesus said to the scribes and Pharisees, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but would have the life, the light of life. Christ alone is man's only hope. Christ alone is your only hope. If you're, you've never received him as your Lord and your Savior, receive him today. I want you to think about that as you ride home. I'm not asking you to earn salvation. I'm not asking you to work for it to know all the books of the Bible. I'm not asking you to have a certain kind of thing you want to get your life straight first. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm asking you to receive a righteousness that have been provided for you. The son of righteousness have provided a righteousness for you so that you can enter God's kingdom solely on the basis of what he did. And all you have to do is Receive the son of righteousness. He can reach you where you are. His radiant love can extend to you. All you have to do is receive it. For you said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Trust in him to save you. To give you the abundant life. Don't don't chase after the things of this world to fulfill you. What you need is found in Christ and he can guide you in life. And point you in the right direction. But he's the son of righteousness. He's the one who sustains Believe in his death. He have died a death. He was buried and he was resurrected. He died for sin. He was buried and he rose again from the grave. Believe in him. He gives full satisfaction to those who fear and believe in his name. The word of God teaches that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Wisdom. The scripture says this clearly throughout the biblical text, Proverbs 9 and 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Psalm 111, 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who, all those who practice it have a good understanding, his praise endures forever. So not only will the son of righteousness fully satisfied, but he will completely vindicate the righteous. In other words, God justifies the believer through his finished work upon the cross. How should the people of God be motivated and prepared for the day of judgment? The text says, by remembering the law of God. In verse four, the prophet of God commands the people, remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I have commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Some translations, Horeb is the same place, Sinai, where, um, where he received the, the law. In other words, obey the law of God because it's good for training. It helps us to see where we are wrong, where we need to go to God and repent of sin, where there needs to be correction and instructions for our law for our lives. The law of God is good. But obeying the law of God doesn't mean that by carrying out some good deed, we can somehow find favor with God then my devotions, yeah, devotions done, I had prayer this morning, I'm good. But what does the psalmist say? To meditate on the word. And it says we're to meditate on it when? Day and night. And it doesn't mean that, you know, we're going to we're to be people praying, you know, every, we can't have a conversation with people because we're praying all the time, right? But it just means continually, right? Day and night, that's what the author is, is trying to communicate, that we're to have constant communication with God. That we're to be constantly talking to him about life, about decisions, what we're going to do next, what, what, what direction we should take. We're to have this communion with God that is inseparable, that is unique because we are his children. We must meditate on the law and that requires us to know the law. The law does not and cannot save one Uh, cannot save us, we must look to Christ. The law reveals sin, but Christ saves sinners through faith in him. The prophet closes out the book of Malachi with these words to his listeners. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with the decree of utter destruction. Of utter destruction. Look at verse 3. This is, this points also to the destruction that will take place. And God is allowing believers to be able to p- participate in his judgment. It's not the believer causing judgment, but it's through Christ which judgment will come. And in verse 3, it says, And you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act says the Lord of hosts. Christ is our representative. Christ is the one who says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord of hosts. And so this takes us to uh, verse 5, reminding us That by listening to the prophet of God, the people of God will be saved. To to, to miss this seems, to to me, this seems to be a fulfilled prediction of of John the Baptist coming to prepare the way of the Lord. He, He is that prophet of God coming in. The spirit of Elijah, he would turn the hearts of men, preaching repentance, for the kingdom of God is at hand. John preached repentance, and those who sincerely repented would turn from their sins and turn to Christ and would have been saved. You remember John's disciples? (laughs) And, And they was looking at John And then they was looking at Christ and say, can we go? John said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And they begin following Christ. The one John had said that whose sandals I'm not even able to fasten. Him, we're to follow him. And so I believe the text here in verse 5 is a prediction of John the Baptist to prepare the way of of the Lord. After Malachi, we have this empty period in history uh, where Jesus would be going into, the Greek culture is going to amp things up a bit and going to be taken over and the Jews is going to be going through a difficult time. But it's going to be about 400 years here of silence where God in particular doesn't use a prophet per se. But. There is hope. Because when the gospels begin, we know that that's. The good news of the one who would come to bring salvation to his people. So. um, The prophet of God will turn the hearts of men. All of us at some point had to turn from sin and turn to the Lord and be saved. Those who heard and never turned. We we have here the the same idea. There are two types of people those who believe. And those who disbelieve, those who heard and believe, those who heard and disbelieve. Awaiting for you if you disbelieve in the Son is a day of judgment. Also, the Lord stated in Matthew 11, 10, 14, 10 through 14 about John the Baptist This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I will send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and law prophesied until John, and it are... And if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. Lastly, the final warning before this 400 years of silence, a final warning to all in verse 6. The Lord states, unless I come and strike the land with the decree of utter destruction, in other words, obey obey follow the law of God they will be left now with the commands given to them through Moses they have the word of God they have the law of God they must follow they must obey God gives a final warning unless I come And strike the land with the decree of destruction. In other words, obey all that I've commanded you, says the Lord, or else I will destroy. So, what will happen to you when you die? That's the question. Heaven or hell? When you leave here... You would have made a decision. Hopefully, you're safe in the arms of Jesus Christ and not under his wrath because the great and awesome day of the Lord is coming. Listen, God's judgment is real. Brothers and sisters, now that you've been reminded of these things, how will you respond? No, you're not under the judgment of God as an unbeliever. But what urgency will you have in sharing the gospel to your family? I mean, sharing the gospel to your friends, knowing that the day of the Lord is coming. What urgency will you have in sharing the gospel to coworkers or strangers People you see sitting on the side of the road. People you meet in your community or your apartment complex. Your neighbors in your neighborhood. Many of you, you've known them for years but have never shared the gospel with them. What will you do? Time is now. Take advantage of every opportunity you get in sharing the gospel pray that God would give you these opportunities that you may share the good news of Jesus Christ remember that the great and awesome day of the Lord is coming and just as we always do during our communion come Lord Jesus come Lord Jesus Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we still stand beneath your word. We pray, Lord God, that your word will not fall on deaf ears. We pray that your word would be effective and work in our hearts, that we might truly indeed be a sanctified people, be a changed people,